Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, a legacy member of the Jittery Monkey Podcast family, and of course affiliated with SB Nation Podcast Network, and uh, along with with the Five Heart Podcast, uh, hopefully you're aware of our other great podcast here on uh, Coordination, there's Of Bangarangs and Daggers with Patrick Gerhardt and Nate McHugh, all about, uh, well, I, we say it's all about Nebraska ball, but Really, it's going to be all about Nebraska ball once the season starts. Right now, it's all about Nebraska ball and random topics they like to talk about. So make sure you check that one out. Of course, there's John's post-life crisis. And because we are a a band of miserable turds, uh, on occasion, we get together and lament and cry together in our coronation post-game reaction episodes. And John... Jam Johnston, who is with us uh, this week, as well as, of course, Haas Reuter. John, you were the only one uh, brave enough, I suppose, uh, uh, I, dedicated, I guess is the more appropriate term, to, to get on and, and, and record anything Saturday night after Nebraska lost at home to Ohio State. Uh, I I remember I said if anybody wants to record that's fine I'll get you set up I'll even record it but I don't I don't want to talk about this game twice but you will you were willing um, the, I mean well let's just get it out of the way that was a shit show I think I called it a bucket of shit after the game you did you called it a bucket of shit a, a couple of times you called it a bucket of shit at the beginning of, of your uh, 12 minutes and a bucket of shit by the way anybody if you haven't listened to John's uh, post game uh, you know uh, Ohio State edition it's only about 12 12 and a half minutes long it's worth the listen because uh, John just he doesn't hold back by God it, it's it's a thing to behold uh, but it was not pretty. And and as look, we all went in. I think with, that that was not pretty. Well, I mean, I'm I'm getting to it, John. I I think we all went in there with with the excitement. Um, you know, it was it was a real test. I, I think Ohio State's going to be a, a college football playoff contender. They might end up walking away with the the. I think they're going to win the whole thing. Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I think you know that that's a, a real possibility. They they seem like they're a well put together team, and I, I don't like ever talking you know saying nice things about Ohio State or anything or anybody from Ohio. Um, but mm-hmm. they you know they seem to have all the, the what I hoped would happen, which would be you know like the Urban Myers out new coach type of thing uh, in and you know get them early. They they didn't they in fact I'd say they're better this year than they were last year, um, but we all went in with a, a certain sense of optimism I think and for some reason it was on that opening kickoff when we decided to run it out of the end zone that I I thought to myself well this isn't going to be a good night <laughs> you know um, <laughs> Hoss when did you realize that we were in for a long night. I think I realized 
the the first interception. Of which there were um, many. the one thing we couldn't do, we did on our opening drive. It was not the best. We are we are a fragile football team. That's what we are. Yeah, we're are. a bunch of mental midgets at this point. I'm, and uh, honestly, I think this fan base is too. I don't disagree. Well, we'll hold the fan base until later. You know, but I it's, think not, when it's not because of the game that's that makes it fractured. It's not through anything through the Scott Frost era. It's just it, Saturday night really, really reiterated to me just how broken this program was on November 25th, 2017 when Mike Riley was fired. Um, and I remember having a tweet after he got fired, or it might have been the night before, it might have been right after the Iowa game, where I said, I'm ready for this to be built back from the ground up, no pretenses, no false expectations, just... Let it get built, you know. Somewhere along the lines, the import, the Kool-Aid imports from the national <laughs> media, I think inflated everybody's expectations for this season. And that's why it makes a loss like we experienced to Ohio State that much damn tougher to deal with and to process in the aftermath. I have. And so how do we move forward? Realistic expectations. I have a, a real... Hey, you just forget about it. Go on. What was that, John? You forget about it. Go on. I mean, this week we have Northwestern. Yeah. You know, you we, do, got and that's why everybody... by, uh, we got stomped by probably... Wait, wait, honestly, right now to me, because I have watched... Uh, I've watched all of their games because I was interested to see if Ohio State would fall off at all. I mean, they, they stomped the living shit out of a, a decent Cincinnati team or a team that was supposed to be able to score points and play defense. But, uh, you know, and that's why when he threw that first interception, it was kind of like, you know, we're broken. We just broke. Yep. You know, and then. Yep, right out of the gate. It, and it. It's one thing to have like Chase Young abuse, uh, who is a Will Farniak, because Chase Young is going to abuse everybody he plays against until he gets to the NFL. You know, Justin Fields. Well, too. Yeah, he is. Justin Fields looked like uh, you know uh, he looked like a Heisman Trophy winner that isn't going to win the Heisman Trophy because it's already been given to Trevor Lawrence or to a you know. And J.K. Dobbins looked like you. So. Yeah. K.J. So, Hill still there. Wait, wait, wait. You, you, you know, uh, Hoss, that's you, a very complete football team. Hoss, you cut out a little bit. Did you say that J.K. Dobbins looked like a human centipede? No, I said he's as good as he's ever been. All right, I, I, I don't know why. Yeah, I'm going to go back and listen to the there. tape, but I, I don't know. It why might have been because in my original statement I said 2017. You know, he's been there since 2017. No, he, I, you know, he had a little bit of a down year last year, but he's, you know, he brings it. I mean, I'd kill to have a running back like that on our roster right now. He was uh, so like strong. A unicorn back. Yeah, and he's fast, too. Yeah. 
It's just, it was, it, you know, if it wasn't my team, it was great to watch, but it was my team, so it really wasn't that fun. <laughs> I, I want to I you, you know, after the interception, after the interception that got thrown when we went on that drive and we were running some vintage, you know, classic or- Osbornean, uh, well, you know, plays, I checked out of the game. I watched as a casual observer after that interception. I just, you know, resigned myself, you know, to the fate that it happened and started thinking about Northwestern already. That happened on the third drive, I believe. When, or mm-hmm. so at that point they were up for. I mean, we go down and we score. It's, I mean, it could have been a different ball game altogether. And and that one got, if I remember correctly, yeah. that one. That I, one I, I still, I still don't think we would have won, but I think no. we would have been a little bit more competitive. Yeah, and and that was the one. They would have got some wrong. confidence back. That that was the one that went off of was it Wandale's fingertips and then like kind of into the uh, was that the one that the guy was on the ground and just kind of yeah. fell into his lap I mean that that's just a bad break yeah it was and it was a bad throw to begin with you know he sailed it was it. high you know like everything else <laughs> you know, I mean when an interception uh, gets tipped up and it falls into a guy's hands laying on the ground it's a sign from God okay it's like okay you just you know relax this is another lesson you have to go through no you haven't been enough true enough of them yet just relax and just it'll be okay someday maybe i don't know Till ohio State, this up. The, the, the way ohio state's built and the way they played on saturday really reiterated to me again just the importance of correcting the neglect that had been strength and conditioning under mike riley and through the latter parts of the bocalini era and continuing to bring in good athletes that fit our scheme and along the way hoping you luck into, you know, a real transcendent talent at the positions that matter, you know, like find a defensive end like uh, Chase Young and just really building that solid foundation. And I think we can get there still. I mean, 48-7 to is pretty disheartening, you know, when you're a diehard fan of a team. Like, that score is going to suck and it's going to piss you off no matter where your program's currently at. But I think that the it did thing nothing was, to shake my confidence in this being the staff to get it done. I, I think the thing is, is that 48-7 uh, to 7 is somewhat a misnomer because that score could have been whatever number they wanted it to be. Oh, yeah. They could have picked a number and hit it if they really wanted to. Well, let, let me... Um, I'm glad you brought that up because they took, the, they took their foot off the gas. They did, but awfully late. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not. I don't want this to come off as sour grapes. But even at one point, I think Herb Street made the, the comment they were in the into the third quarter. It was you know a, a shutout at that point, and and Herb Street, you know, they still have their starters. And Herb Street's like, well, you know, it's still early in the season, and uh, they got a gel. I mean, look, if you're playing as well as they've no, played, he, he he was spot on. They those guys haven't played very much. Yeah. All their games blowouts. You know they play a very good Michigan State defense next week. You got game reps. You know, and unfortunately, you know them keeping their starters in that late and what was at the time a shutout. It came at our expense, but they got to get themselves polished up. You know, the other teams on scholarship too. The other coaching staff is you know have very, you know, high salaried contracts as well and they've got a job to do within their best interests. 
What I thought about when that happened was when he said that was uh, all the time Tom Osborne's team were accused of running up the score against an opponent and how we would easily brush them off. Oh, that. Back in TO's day, it was literally, and it, you know, the same extends to passing teams. I'll get to that in a second, but with TO's teams, we were just out there running our offense. You know, we weren't doing anything creative. We weren't keeping starters in really, really long, you know. We were just out there running our offense. What's he supposed to tell the third string eye back when he gets in? Hey, a hole opens up. Don't go 80 yards. Fall down. Fuck that. That kid worked hard all week in practice. Like, go. You know, it's your it's your time to shine. Um, I didn't even take a lot of issue with Mike Leach, you know, throwing the ball all over the yard when they put 70 up on us in 04. That is their offense, throwing the ball. Go out there and run your offense. What was... If you don't like it, stop it. Yeah, I've heard that as well. What was your... Do you have a single biggest takeaway from the game? Uh, let, let's say, let's say, look, looking more, more micro, more at this Big game. Big picture that, on the field. On, on the field. Let's, let's I have one. I have one. I want to say it before he does. Okay, go ahead. Get off Adrian Martinez's ass, you motherfuckers. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I, I get you know, get off the kid's ass. He's Good still God. Young. He he still can develop into that quarterback that we think he's capable of being. It's a sophomore slump, and. People it doesn't took a lot of issue with Frost. line is getting annihilated. Exactly. Exactly, John. People took a lot of issue with Frost, you know, standing up for Martinez on Monday saying other guys need to do their job. Frost is 100% right. As, as a quarterback, it's your job to understand, you know, when your protection breaks down, you know, and you got to bail out of there, you got to check the ball down, or you got to just throw the ball away. But at the same time, when you're waiting for the route concept, to develop, your eyes need to be downfield. You can't be trying to throw when your offensive tackle is already, you know, his his back is against your chest because he's been driven back so far by the defensive end, you know. You got to give him that two and a half, three seconds of protection before he has to really start paying attention to the rush and trying to get out of there. The fact that people just pin it all on Martinez is a crock of shit, in my opinion. I'm not, it doesn't help the situation. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with either. Was that great? I, I said I'm not disagreeing with either of you. And uh, you know the the calls on you know be it the game thread or uh, you know social media to, to fire Frost. It's like okay, let, let's say let's say your your wish in the heat of the moment is is granted and Frost is gone. Who's coming to Lincoln? Because the golden boy, the hometown kid, you just ran him out of town. You think anybody wants to come to that environment? Fuck no. Fuck no. We couldn't even get Kermit the Frog to call a play here. I'd do it if I got $7 million a year. John well, hell, be, I'd do it for a hundred grand a year. John would be like, I'll do it for two games. You can fire me too, and uh, I'll just take my payout. Yeah, exactly. I, John, could I be your OC? Yeah, yes. Hell yes. I, I don't know how much. I, yeah. I, I know th- that nobody wants to, to dwell too much on this game. It's, you know, it is what it is. It's a, it's a team in the oh, second. Oh, my big take. Huh? Oh, I was just going to say, I haven't gotten to my big takeaway. So. Oh, okay. We'll take it. Take, go, go forth. Oh, are, are you, 
Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking out loud like I haven't said it yet. But no, no, go. If we're good. Go. I think my big takeaway is the right side of the offensive line, like Cameron Jurgens and Trent Hickson, they're starting to develop. And you're starting to see those guys get better and better and better each game. For Cam, it's been from the first game to now. The snap issue is still recurrent, and that needs to be addressed. But the, the overall technique, you know, and his awareness out there on the field, getting a lot better. And I w- I'd like to see him dial it in a little bit more with the blocking, calling the protections and the line calls, but little victories. Trent Hickson's getting a lot better as well. But until we can get that right side of the offensive line squared away with Matt Farniak and Bo Wilson, and I really don't want to call those guys out too much because at the end of the day, you know, it's I, I'm not in that building every day. You know, like as much as it pains me to say this, I am being a bit of an armchair OC, watching film and piecing together with what I can see on tape as much as I can. But we probably need to start looking at other options at those two positions of right guard and right tackle because we haven't seen progression. We've actually seen a startling case of regression. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that specifically because everybody knows, I mean, it's, it's that it's a legendary, I guess that the, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, like be the guy who lives, you know, back in the 90s because it's well established that I wasn't following college football in the 90s. But, uh, you know, certainly you read, you you listen, you learn. Um, but in the 90s, you know, in, in the heyday, uh, the team would always say, you know, that the offense, the, the toughest defense that they're going to face all year is the one that they face in practice. And the the starters were always being pushed by the number twos. And, you know, and under the – you know, with with the realization that, hey, these guys are gunning for my job for the betterment of the team, and then the coaches have to make that decision of, you know, uh, who who's going to be who's got the better week in practice. Who you know, I don't know. Not to say you know a designated starter is not in place at the beginning of season, but there's always that competition in in practice. Do we have that, or is this you know like the coaching staff? All right, these are the five guys we're going to roll out on the O line. And come hell or high water, you know. I mean, are, are they going to are they going to be willing to make the adjustments? And are are you know the the guys in on the team going to push one another? Like I said, I, I'm not there. We're not in practice. We're not watching this. I'm not saying nobody's out there. You know, trying to get better and improve themselves and to improve the team. But is it like, well, I'm a backup. I'm just going to wait my turn. You know that type of thing. What? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. I would hope that they, you know, iterate and reiterate to guys all throughout the entire, you know, process of winter conditioning, spring ball, fall camp, in-season stuff. I would hope they would tell the guys constantly, like, hey, no one's job is 100% safe. You know, if there's a guy who is busting his ass every week in practice and eventually he overtakes you in terms of what he's putting out there on tape and practice, is what you're doing. We're going to give the nod to the guy who works his ass off and improves. I also think we're kind of at a point in time where if there was anyone better, they'd be out there. Um, I That being said, I never think it's that bad of an idea to maybe, you know, 
toy around a little bit with maybe some personnel decisions. Um, maybe it's something as simple as putting Matt Farniak at right guard and, you know, giving Bryce Benhart a shot at right tackle or giving Brock Bando a shot at right tackle or um, something because, you know, Bo Wilson was playing really good football at the end of last year. And now, you know, him and Matt Farniak, they're, they're struggling. And it's not for a lack of effort. Um, it's just something's not quite right. So, and so to, to follow you wrap the piss up what needs to be fixed in practice, and then maybe you see if there's some other guys that can maybe give you a better opportunity and a better and better performance at those spots. To piggyback on that, how do you how do you justify that st- stance at the offensive line while also saying? You know, people need to get off Adrian Martinez's ass, and you, you know what I mean. I mean, like, how, what, where, why does one? Well, why is one the exception? It's relatively simple. It's relatively simple. For one, Adrian Martinez has put on tape before what he's capable of doing. Number two, the amount of information that he's asked to process during a play, and then the physical. You know, so that's the mental aspect of it coupled with the physical aspect of going out there and making a play, whether it's running, you know, a designed run, a scramble, making a throw. And then also preparing that with the, you know, emotional, social-emotional portion of that position, the leadership. It's a little bit different than an offensive lineman, for instance. You know, offensive linemen, you know, the best five that work together. And it could be something as simple as one of those guys – is causing the issue the other. You know, it could be that Bo Wilson's causing the issue for Matt Farniak, that Matt Farniak's causing the issue for Bo Wilson. It could be one of those things. But when you also consider that both these guys have been in the program for four years now, granted under two different coaching staffs, but they spent two under Riley and Kavanaugh, they've spent two now under Frost and Greg Austin. And so... At some point, those guys have been in a college football program long enough where it's like you got to get it together and you got to up your game, you know. And it's no disrespect to them personally; it's purely just from, you know, an athletic on the field standpoint. Quarterback, it's a little bit more of a dicey situation, especially when that quarterback's your captain. I don't disagree with maybe taking Adrian out for a couple of series in a game like against Ohio State when he's struggling against Illinois. And giving Vedral some, you know, reps and letting Adrian kind of see the defense from another perspective because the defense <laughs> is always get a different in every perspective you're in. I mean, that view you get watching on the TV, like you're sitting on the 50-yard line, that's drastically different than what you're seeing if you were a coach standing on the field behind them. And it's drastically different than what you'd be seeing on the end zone view of coaches film or if you were a fan sitting in one of the end zones. The just the spatial distribution of the defense in terms of pre-snap alignment, post-snap assignment, it looks 100% different depending on the perspective. And sometimes you just need to gain a new perspective. It's just like anything in life, you know. If someone's depressed and they're going through the motions in life and they're not really doing anything, you know, worthwhile or they're, they're not having success with something, Chances are that a different perspective can change things an awful lot. 
That works for me. Uh, I'd put my arm around Adrian, and I'd look at him, and I'd say, hey, let's watch that federal fucker get killed for a couple of plays. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you want to get a Pepsi? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, look, Chase Chase Young just tore his arm off for once. How about that, you sons of bitches? Go blame him now. Everybody loves the backup quarterback on every team. Mm. Yeah, he's a pretty popular guy. Always. I I do have one more question for you guys. Uh, This is more macro, more big picture. What – trying to figure out how to best phrase it. I think I'm just going to come right out and ask it. And I hope it doesn't sound like a ridiculous question. I try not to ask those. What loss – well, wait till you hear the question. What loss hurts more, this one or losing at Colorado? This one, because no. it's a conference game. Who gives a shit about Colorado and the big picture of things? You know, this, team that, this is a team that we potentially could face again. I know it doesn't look like it right now, but, but there's a distinct possibility that that could happen. I think and nobody saying, gives a shit about Colorado. In the big picture of things, who really gives a shit? I think John's saying that, it's time to run the West. That's kind of how I feel. That Colorado game, when you boil it right down to it, yes, it was a grudge match from days gone by. Yes, it was a grudge match from last year when they were a bunch of cheap motherfuckers and, and purposely injured our starting quarterback. But at the end of the day, that game really doesn't mean anything. You want to win it, of course. That's the goal. But that doesn't really show you where you're at a game like Ohio state. Cause we aspire to be back to that level at some point bothers me worse than the Colorado game because it shows how far we still have to go. And it's in conference. And if you're going to judge yourself off of the transitive property in college football, then your conference mates are probably the best people to, gauge yourself off of because you know if you want to get to the promised land the top of the mountain hoisting that college football playoff trophy you got to secure your own damn conference first so that's what i i find the ohio state game to be more troubling all right thanks there's no wrong answer i was just you know asking we're gonna take that's not a ridiculous question it's something that's been on my mind this week And, and i think the only thing that that really made me bring it up is we were we were two score three score uh, underdogs at home against Ohio State, but I think we were favored in Colorado, if I remember correctly. And so it was like you know, as far as game to game expectations, one you're you're in the dogfight, and and obviously you lose it in a in overtime because you don't have a kicker, um, but it's one that you should win. The other one, you were not expected to win, and you just ended up losing by more than what. The, you know the the experts expected you to lose by. I think that's that's what you know made me made the question jump to my mind. Um, but what we're going to do now? We've got Northwestern on the horizon. We're going to take a timeout. I've got more questions. Oh, thank God! You know, I keep trying to move on with my life, and these people around me keep bringing up the past. We're going to take a timeout. You done? <laughs> when we come back. More of the Five Heart Podcast with Hoss, John, and me. So stay right there. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg Mahochko, Hoss Reuter, John Dam Johnston. And Northwestern is up, uh, you know, this weekend. Now, before we get there, 
there was a question. Right, well, let's let's go with some of the news we that broke earlier this week. Um, Cade Warner was, uh, I think, making his first appearance this season, and then he re-aggravated his injury, so we're going to lose Cade Warner for a little bit of time. But also, and here's something that I didn't see. I don't remember a replay of it, but apparently the Big Ten did, and that's Khalil Davis uh, apparently or allegedly struck an Ohio State player and has been suspended for the Northwestern game. Did, did we ever see any replay of that at all, or did it, did any of the news outlets ever show that? I don't remember seeing anything about it. I saw now, a few clips today from like the ABC affiliate in Lincoln, and it was of a end zone shot from their own news camera. And you really can't see much. They get tangled up. They're on the ground. Khalil kind of you know, tries a double underhand, you know, shove on the offensive line. I didn't see anything really egregious, and I didn't see anything that warrants a suspension. And it just further proves that, you know, the draconian Jim Delaney is just protecting a sacred fucking cow so we can get so the Big Ten can get a team into the playoff for the first time in two years. Well, but that's the thing. It, it, there was no they're penalty. Making every, they're making every opportunity to protect Ohio State. But, but I, I guess my, my – and I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I think that's – you're exactly right. They're trying to get a team, if not more. I mean, Wisconsin's rolling too, uh, but they're trying to get uh, at least one team into the college football playoff. But this uh, strike, this hit, didn't – it doesn't – it's not like it's going to affect – you know, it's not like Khalil Davis is going to be, you know, strapping up for Michigan State and playing, you know, Ohio State this Saturday. That's not, I mean, that's not how it works. All he's doing is taking a player away for Northwestern. And let's face it, Northwestern's not going to the playoffs. Um, so I, I don't. Again, but it sends, it, sends a me- it sends a message to the rest of the Big Ten. Don't mess with Ohio State. And let's face it, there's probably a good chance yeah. that the Ohio State player had it coming because he's a bitch ass from Ohio State. <laughs> no more butthole of America. The butthole, really, the ain't America's anus. Okay, let's oh, let's move on. We're moving on. I, what, uh, John, you got family in Ohio? No, I just uh, okay. So my sons of Rich Spider. So uh, before we move on to Northwestern, I I did have one more question. That's future, not past, John. So get your panties out of a bunch. Uh, I mean, we, what, I don't want to talk so much about expectations because I know, Haas, you said, you know, you'd be happy as pie with eight and four. I mean, the, the, those type of record goals are, uh, you know, still within reach. There are only two losses, and, and depending on who you listen to, all games are winnable potentially with, you know, except for Wisconsin because they have Jonathan Taylor. Um, but, what would be the the win mark? I mean, we're coming off a of back-to-back four and eight seasons, and we just got waxed at home by Ohio State in front of the world. What would be the win mark in your guys' opinion, and Haas will start with you, that'll make this fan base happy? Would it be five wins? Would it be bowl eligibility? Would it be going 10-2? and two? I mean, what where, where's what's the barometer for uh, Husker fan nation happiness? Well, I... I think first and foremost, you got to get to a bowl. I mean, we've got to go to a bowl game. We haven't been to a bowl since that Music City Bowl against Tennessee in December of 16. 
you got to start with that first. At 6-6, six and six, there's, there's going to be a lot of people who are unhappy, though. I mean, they'll be happy about going to the bowl, but they won't be happy with the overall body of work. 7-5, and five, you start, you know, 7-5 is about the same as 6-6. Six and six. Uh, But 8-4, and four, to flip that record from the past two years, you know, in the other direction, you know, I, I think that would be, I, I think a lot of people would be happy, not just myself on that, but eight and four, you know, as long as you split the Wisconsin and Iowa games, I think eight and four is a good, is a damn fine record. John? I don't give two shits about this fan base being happy. Yeah, I really don't either. It's I mean, I mean All right, well, you know, we're going to choose to be happy or not. And I understand that there's like this Jekyll and Hyde thing that happens during football games where we all turn into raving lunatics. But to continue that on throughout the week and continue it on, you know, and like as if it's dragging you down and destroying your life. You are not on the field playing for God's sakes. Get a grip on yourself. All I want us to do is to get to a bowl game and continue to improve. You know what I want? I want us to beat Northwestern this week, and the next week you can ask me what I want then. How's that? I, I feel like you, you forgot know, who our audience is. My big thing talk about bowl eligibility is I want to see us have a bowl game locked up, you know, bowl eligibility locked up by the time the month of October ends. 3-0 in October. See, now it's you're making me think about it. I'm not thinking about it. Thinking about it's, red, it's red October, just not the Bolsheviks. I, I just feel like, like, like Haas, I, f- I feel like John forgot who our audience is. I mean, our audience is largely Husker fans, and, and he's he's saying he doesn't care about their happiness. Well, he might as well say, I don't care if they have chocolate cake. I think, I think they would want chocolate cake. cake. If they Here's want chocolate the cake, I, I they can go get some chocolate cake. Eight and four. I talk about incremental improvement a lot. I've had to invoke that phrase more times this year than I really would have liked to. I thought <laughs> I was going to leave that phrase back in November 2018. But evidently, I'm probably going to have that as a tattoo eventually because I say it so much. If In terms of incremental improvement, Finishing the regular season eight and four would not just be incremental improvement. That would be monumental fucking improvement. I think bowl game That would be is... flipping the record 360 degrees, 180 degrees. I'm not a math major, so no one jumped down my throat on that one. I think a bowl game... 3-0 and in October, that would be a big piece of incremental improvement. 1-0 and every week, incremental improvement at its finest. Just get there. What did I, I'm starting to think that despite a lot of pearl clutching by a lot of Husker fans about how much Kool Aid this program received from the national media about a potential year two jump like what Frost at UCF, I'm starting to believe that a lot of fans themselves really believe that we're going to have the similar year two jump. You got to walk before you can run. Eight and four should be celebrated there should be people at 72nd and dodge celebrating you know when we hit eight and four that is a big deal when you win the amount of games in one season that took you two full seasons to reach that same win total and build for next year this that like 
people really think that this was just a nice little remodeling job that Frost walked into. This was tearing something down, tearing up the foundation and pouring an entirely new one. Just walk before you can run. I have sensed recently that Poss is trying to take away my curmudgeon old man status on this podcast, and that's why I'm so – I don't give a <laughs> shit about the fans. Yeah, John, it's kind of like we all of a sudden switched back to our normal roles. Yeah, I feel better about myself as a human now. Well, if I remember correctly yeah, – you're back I, being the uh, – you know. You know, let me tell you, I think it's doing the, the squat tober challenge again, you know, doing heavy squats every day, Monday through Friday through the month of October. It's really reinvigorated my zest for life. And here I thought at, at the, uh, at the, you know, if, if we remember correctly, back at the beginning of the year, it was decided that John was going to be the old curmudgeon contrarian. Uh, so I guess oh, that's true. I guess we're, yeah, there, I guess you go. we're there. Uh, so, all right, I, I, I still think four and a win against Iowa. Nice pelt to tack above the mantle. I still think, you know, if we're just looking at, you know, being better, I mean, obviously five wins is, is better, but six wins get you a guaranteed bowl game. And Hey, look, I know it's like kissing your sister and this ain't Iowa, but, uh, a bowl game gets you a few, you know, almost two extra weeks of practice and, uh, and, and. But let's let's finally make John happy because that's what it's all about. It's not about making you the Husker fan happy. Let's making John Damn Johnston happy. So let's talk about Northwestern. Oh God, I feel uh, my heart's full of butterflies or something. As it the should nerds. Be. Uh, that's gosh. It's really almost been a year since I spent a Saturday morning, early afternoon at Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois. Well, here's Watching the, the biggest implosion I've ever seen in my entire life. And this is important. With with a W on Saturday, Nebraska goes for the sweep against teams from Illinois. So. Yeah, we're going to be Illinois State champs. That's right. You guys are, you know, Huskers and. Let's make shirts. Oh, can we? I don't know how we. I mean, I mean this we can. This game's in Lincoln. Yes, this game's yeah, in Lincoln. Yeah, I'm going to be there on Saturday. Are you at 2.30 p.m.? Uh, 3, 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. Okay, whatever. John, you got to check your pocket watch for that? Yeah, I do. It's off. I said reset the time. So, yeah. It'll... Be sure to write a little note on the face of it. Nebraska. Uh... So what did we think at Northwestern? Northwestern's offense is terrible. Yeah. The, this I don't foresee – Northwestern scoring any more than 24 points. Conversely, their defense is pretty solid. We might only score 27. So the key to this game is us not giving them three points. Pretty much. I remember last year when you accused me of like being ridiculously high on some psychedelics because I predicted that the game would go to overtime tied at 31 and we'd win 45-38. No, I don't remember that at all. I don't. The game went to overtime, but we didn't win. We didn't win by that score. But I think this will be another overtime game, third year in a row. Nebraska holds a, a seven to five series advantage, you know, all time, going all the way back to, if you can believe this, 1902, uh, when Nebraska uh, beat Northwestern 12 to nothing in Lincoln. And they didn't play again until 1931. 
Uh, and in the uh, Depression era, or I guess, John, you were there. It's 1930. That's just pre-Depression, right? No, no it's Depression different. started October 29th, 1929. Yeah, I, I couldn't yeah. remember if it was 29 or anyway. Uh, all right, then they didn't play for uh, 43 years, and Nebraska won 49-7 to at Memorial Stadium in 1974. Uh, played on neutral uh, field in uh, 2000. Of course, we all remember that one in San Antonio, uh, and that was a 66-17 win. And then uh, they've just been playing in the Big Ten, and it has been, uh, well, it's it's. It's been as close, honestly, as Nebraska has to a rival, I'm going to say, uh, based on... It is a rival. But, I mean, it, it, as far as... In, I mean, th- I think Nebraska wants a rivalry with Wisconsin and doesn't want a rivalry with Iowa, despite the hatred. Uh, so i got to say that Northwestern's probably, you know, our, our rival in the Big Ten. It's quadri- It's the quadrangle of hate. Come on, we can have more than one. We can be monogamous. Wait a minute, polygamous no. with rivalries. This is a marriage. That that feels dirty. No. I, I can't do that. I can only. Have I, uh, That's why I like it. Yeah. I was just talking John to someone at work dirty. earlier today about the game, and I said I am fully in favor of just embracing Northwestern as a rival. They play us tough on the field. It's a contrast of two different cultures, two different fan bases, two different styles of play. And damn it, I hate losing to those fucking nerds. Well, we all do. I and mean, our debate team beats them all the time. I remember last year when I was at the game, instead of having like, like a ring of honor where they have like their great players' names, they have what's called the Wildcat Honor Roll. Uh, the Honor Roll. Nerds. nerds. And, and they it, actually have some diehard fans who I was actually sitting amongst at the game last year in Evanston who are kind of assholes. Well, I'm not surprised. They're from the Chicago area. I like the is that a sweeping Chicago bravado, you know? I, I got to say, I had to drive to Chicago area uh, today and back in one day, and that sucked. Oh, man, it's my favorite city on earth. Well, then... Uh, I hate to tell you this, but you're you need better taste in cities. It's a midwestern metropolis. It's a stain on the state of Illinois. There, it is a stain on the state of Illinois. What'd you go there for? I had to deliver water. You drove all the way up to Chicago just to deliver water. Seventy-two bottles, one stop. Then I had to drive back. What the Chicago River high up or something? Uh. Without getting too specific, I don't care. I had to take water to the Ford plant up there. Oh, for the strike? No. Just for a Isn't there strike going on with the auto workers? Wednesday? I have no idea. I don't follow the news. That's what I, You know what I do when I'm in Chicago? I go right on down to the Chicago River with my glass of water, just scoop it up and drink it right out of that fucking river. That's what I do. When I, I, go, when I, I get thirsty and... Chicago. I'm drinking right out of the river. with the locals. Well, well, now we know how John survived well, 400 years. I'm pale, skin, fair skinned, and red hair. I look like I'm, you know, some Irish American who grew up on the south side of the city. Okay, so we got this quarterback Hunter Johnson that was supposed <clears throat> to be a savior for the Northwestern Wildcats. He's hurt. No, Seth. Seth. What's the what's the Seth Green? Is that guy the guy's name? 
No, that's I, I don't think Hunter Johnson. Hunter Johnson's not work. Is he uh, T.J. Green? They were, That's down it. Third, they were down to their third-string quarterback against North or against Wisconsin last week. Oh shit! That's right. They were, and you know what? What Northwest is they, unique amongst everybody in that they actually send out a weekly injury report. That's their fault. They should know better. Here's the thing that's crazy about Northwestern: for as bad as their offense is. Their defense held Wisconsin to one offensive touchdown and one field goal. Wisconsin scored two defensive touchdowns against Northwestern last week. And if their quarterback wasn't, you know, throwing the ball all over the yard like he was Uncle Rico and Pat Fitzgerald wasn't going for two when he should have been kicking extra points, they had a shot late in that game for a, you know, tying score. They did that thing where they got Wisconsin into the rock fight. Yeah, and that's the thing. They're going to drag you into the rock fight. They're going to drag you into the twilight zone. And then they're going to try to do something with their nerd magic that's going to beat you. Well, they're uh, only one <sighs> three on the season, but they have played a couple of ranked teams in the Big Ten. Uh, as we know, Wisconsin and, and lost the week prior to that to Michigan State at home. Um or on the road, I can never tell. Looking at Google, what you, I don't know. Um, anyway, lost the, the first team list. is the road team. That's, yeah, that's why I always thought, but for whatever reason, it, I wanted to. I I was under the impression that last week's game was at Northwestern, but I think you're right because Wisconsin played at home. They had the old school khaki uniforms that looked horrible. Anyway, those um, were actually kind of. Cool. I, I saw the the best thing I saw about uh, those. Uh, uniforms was something like after after the beatdown that they gave Michigan uh, the week before, or, or gave Jim Harbaugh the week before, uh, they earned they earned the right to wear khaki or something like that. Uh, I saw that on Twitter. Um, yeah. uh, week one lost by ten uh, to Stanford and picked up their only win of the season uh, on September fourteenth against UNLV thirty to fourteen. So I don't think that I don't know. I mean, you you can play Wisconsin strong, but I I, don't, I just don't know if they've got I don't know if they've got the the horses to get the job done, and I like Nebraska's chance. I think Nebraska is going to come out of the gate pissed off. Well, hopefully, it's pissed off and mistake free. Yeah, that's the key. I think that'll be the that that is the key to winning this game. It's going to be low penalties, low turnovers. I think it works for me. The old Desert Fox at Northwestern, Mike Hankowitz, their defensive coordinator. He's going to have a hell of a game plan put together for Nebraska. Guy's good. Who would be okay? Our- but given that, do you he here about Frost ran that I formation, that wing formation stuff. We're going to see that again, obviously, sometime this season. You think he's going to whip it out just to see if uh, defensive coordinators are prepared for it? Yeah, because anymore. Defensive coordinators have devoted so much time to learning how to defend the spread, and they're actually making pretty good progress on catching up with the spread. But there are a lot of defensive coaches and a lot of defensive players who never played or practiced against that style of offense before. So it's something that's going to cause a lot of confusion in where to line up, run fits, you know, and then when. Yeah, add in the option football element. You're forcing guys to play assignment football. I think we're going to see that, you know, I think we're going to see that 
featured as the year goes on. And it's great for, you know, short yardage situations, goal line situations, and just as an overall changeup. I want they to ran the option pretty well for a team that doesn't run the option. Yeah, Adrian's run off that old belly option, you know, it, it looked, it, he executed the way it was supposed to be drawn up. And I have a clip saved to my video account where I do all the clips for the articles of Frost running that same play, <laughs> the exact same style on the keep against Colorado in 96. That We bust a nice gain on the belly option off to include that, both clips in an article. Hey, Hoss, uh, out of curiosity, did you watch Monday Night Football this past week? Uh, Steelers and the Bengals? Uh, yes, I did. There was – I was watching it. I mean, I'm a Steelers fan. That's no secret. And, and I was hoping that they'd get their first win, and they did. But there was an option out of uh, – a form, it was a single-back formation where they would bring – I don't know if it was uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, in, But they brought uh, a wide receiver in motion like on a jet sweep – and you, uh, Mason Rudolph had the option of pitching to him or, you know, the running back, be it James Conner or, uh, uh, Jalen Samuels. Um, what, what's your take on that? Do you remember that, that play? I think they ran it a couple times. Do you, do you remember that? And, and it seems like with. Did one of them pop for a touchdown? I, I don't, I don't remember specifically, unfortunately. But, I mean, with, with like the Wandale Robinsons and, and, uh, uh, you know, the Maurice Washington, it seems like Nebraska's got, the, the skilled players to pull something like that off. Yeah, uh, uh, I definitely agree. Got the skill players, got the quarterback. Just comes down to the offensive line being able to block it. And the great thing about the option play is it actually people start running the option to make up for having weak offensive, you know, or ineffectual offensive lines. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some of that stuff featured a little bit more. And we do have Jack um, especially because there, there's stuff that Frost has ran, like going back to last year, that you can tell that that guy watches a lot of different offenses to glean stuff, just like every other great coach and play caller does. You know, they watch other offenses and steal stuff from them to put into their own offense that works. Because last year against Northwestern, we saw that play where Jack stole lined up, you know, between the center and guard, but off the line of scrimmage, and we ran a little pop pass to him. A couple weeks before that, the Ravens ran that against the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. And a lot of, like, those little flip, you know, on the rocket sweeps, like the one Juan Dale scored on against uh, Illinois, you know, that was that's a big play of the Kansas City Chiefs when they're inside the red zone around the goal line. So it wouldn't shock me at all to see, like, that option play that you described ran at Nebraska. It wouldn't shock me at all to see that little shovel pass to Jarvis Landry that the Browns ran against the Ravens on Sunday. So, I, I mean, I love adding stuff into the offense. It's my piss hot. <laughs> and uh, and it, it, it seems like, you know, Jack Stoll, who has been quiet in the passing game, uh, you know, especially against Ohio State, not that Martinez had a lot of time to throw at anybody, but He's he's a good perimeter blocker, so you know getting helping set that edge, uh, you know would be beneficial on, on those outside runs, the the options and things like that as well. So um, I don't, aside from predictions, I don't really have much more of anything. Uh, John or Haas, you guys got anything that you just had to get off your chest before we head out of here this week? 
just stay the course, you know, it's make your complaints. I know I've got mine, but stay the course. John. I got nothing. Well, let's get, let's wrap I think it up. we covered it. As we mentioned at the top of the show, make sure that if you haven't already, just click subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And not only will you get the Five Heart Podcast, but you'll get uh, John's Post-Life Crisis. You'll get of Bang Rings and Daggers, and you will get uh, the Coronation post-game reactions. Uh, and uh, that'll just be in your mobile device uh, automatically, usually while you sleep, because that's when I like to schedule things. Uh, real quick before we go, it is a, a 3 o'clock kickoff, and... I'm, I'm debating. There's a, an event here in my town. Uh, it's it's a like their fourth or fifth annual uh, food truck fest, and they get I don't know a dozen or so different food trucks out there. They got a bounce house for the kids, and that's this Saturday from four to like nine. Contemplating taking my son to it. Uh, I think think I can get away with that and then come back and continue live tweeting the the game like I didn't miss anything. Like I I pick up in the second quarter and and. I'm just behind a few hours, but I just react like I'm watching it all for the first time, and so is everybody else. Think I can get away with that, or, or should I just wait till after the game? Skip or? the food truck, watch the game. I didn't have this issue last year. I think last year uh, we hit our bye week during the food truck fest, but uh, I don't know. It's nice to get out there and explore cuisines I wouldn't normally have and get it from the side of a <laughs> you know truck. So um, anyway, yeah. that, that's that's more. Mahachko family discussion and less five heart family discussion, but that'll do it for this episode of the five heart podcast. Uh, it, it, predictions. Oh yeah. I almost snuck out of here without doing that. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you cut me off predictions. Haas, since you were reminded me, you get to go first. For the third year in a row, we're going to go to overtime with these nerds, but unlike the past two years, we're going to score in overtime. <laughs> I'm going to go. Nebraska 35, Northwestern 31. We're not going to to overtime with these sons of bitches. We're going to beat them by at least 10. Uh, I'm going to go 31-21. No, 34-24. No, wait, we can't make field goals. 31-21. My God, that involves a field goal. 35-21. There you go. All right. All right, John, have a senior moment. Let's 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 score some dadgum points. Uh, let's go. I'm gonna say we do kick a field goal. I'm gonna say 38-24, and uh, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it, boys. Uh, that is it for the Five Heart Podcast. We remind you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. John Dam Johnston. Go Big Red! Hoss. Beat the damn nerds and win the damn game. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.